the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Catholic. This is Marianela Nunez, and with me today, I have the two Mikes. Can you believe that? Hey, Mike Walsh, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good to see you again, Marianela. Good, and good to see my friend here, Mike Brass. How are you, Mike? Good, how are you, Marianella? Uh, I think I need some help from Mike Walsh right now here to see how we're going to do this because we have two mics and I don't know how to call you guys. Well, see, in the, I will say that in, in our staff meeting, our, in our communication staff meeting, we have, we've fixed that by only referring to Michael Bress as Greg. So we just, <laughs> we just gave him a completely different name and we call him Greg. However, that seems... Uh, that seems unkind in such a public way. So um, I yeah. think uh, I am more than happy to be Mike and he can be Michael. So matter of fact, I'll leave. We're recording this on a Zoom. I'm even going to even going to change, rename myself so that uh, everyone remembers to call me Mike. So there, there we go. All right. So, Michael, it's going to be weird, but all good people. <laughs> well, we can, unless you want to call him Greg, I can rename him to be Greg. That's, that's not know, a problem. I'll call him Bress, which is close Bress. to Greg. <laughs> but it also gets us in it gets us in danger in other areas Marianella. Oh, but i hear what you're saying yeah. that's true yeah yeah <laughs> however i i wanted mike on this call i wanted michael on this call because um the last time you guys recorded without me because i i think i might have either been ill or i had to be off the podcast for some reason when you introduced mike and mike sort of talked about why he was here I, I listened to it before we posted it, and it literally sounded like I had been fired. <laughs> I, just, I had to make sure when I, we came on in the next episode that I, I assured everyone that no, I was just, I had missed an episode, not that uh, Michael was replacing me in, the, in my role. So, not that he couldn't, though the thing that was truly um, shocking was I didn't realize how much breast sounds like me. And, and it was a little too on the nose that the diocese would have then hired another Michael mm -hmm. to be the director of communications. I mean, that just seems like just to, to make it easier on themselves. Well, you know, right, us, we're, we're all about efficiency around here. Yeah, so we can we can cut down the number of uh, letters we need to reuse or, you know, that's 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 what we got to do. Yeah. But so anyway, I you know, the two of you are obviously deeply involved in schools, particularly here in South Jersey. And I'm just curious, you know, the first two months of the year have sort of rolled in. And it's I will tell you from my perspective, it's been a nice it's been a pleasant two months. It seems like everything seems to be going well. But what about from your perspective? How's how's everything going in the diocese? I feel like it's it's going great. I, this this is a year where uh, we're trying to go back to as many activities as we had prior to COVID times. So it feels like much more normal. And uh, I think, you know, the kids and their families are having such a great experience as long as, uh, uh, you know, and the teachers as well, because they don't have to do remote learning anymore and uh, everything is more normal. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I, I got a chance to do three back to school visits with uh, you, Mike, and uh, Bishop Sullivan. And that, that was a wonderful introduction to the year because that was sort of my anniversary to starting here at the diocese and it was a great chance to to see it in action uh, I had my two kids start uh, in Catholic school for the for their first year and that was exciting to see them in uniforms and have some nostalgia on my end 
And then, you know, we had the uh, mass of the Holy Spirit at all of our high schools, which again, it reiterating Mary Nella's point, it was just great to be among the students again, having the entire student body be a part of the mass and, the, and part of the experience. So I think for those, you know, for the first few months, we've been very happy with uh, the school year and, and where it's going. So it's, it's been exciting. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. And, you know, it's, that's true. Going around the diocese is one of the, uh, true joys of my job and being able to go to our schools and see what's going on. And in my case, my son moved from elementary school to high school this year. And uh, I'm I'm happy to report that he seems to be having a great time. And it was a seamless transition from a, from a Catholic grade school into, you know, a very small sort of um, humble Catholic grade school into basically the largest Catholic high school in South Jersey and um, he's still feeling like he's cared for in every class, you know, like the class sizes are so good and, and, the, and the teachers have been so great to kind of, uh, you know, welcome the freshmen into the school. And I was surprised he, he chose that school because so many of his classmates were going there because uh, we have a number of fine schools in South Jersey. And um, but he knew a lot of people going. So I, he decided to go there. So I asked him how much time has he spent with all, all the people he went to school with that came from his school. And it's basically none because he's made all new friends. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, so it's been a good experience for him. So we've been uh, very, from a parent, I've been very happy. And from the communications director side, I've been, I've been very happy. So credit to all of our Catholic schools and our teachers and our staff and our faculty and, everyone makes our Catholic school such a welcoming place. Yeah, that's great. And we're here like preparing to now like soon report on our NCEA numbers. So that's uh, looking forward to finalizing that project. It's a big project, but uh, it's exciting to see where we are in, in terms of enrollment and how, you know, our families continue to uh, select us, you know, above all their options. So thank you to all who were with us as, you know, South Jersey Catholic schools uh, family. It's a, that's absolutely true. You know, it's it's no small thing to send your child to a Catholic school, but it's a it's you know we we talk about. I mean, there's a, in all honesty, it's a sacrifice for a lot of people, but uh, it's a sacrifice that comes with a lot of of benefits. So um, yes, so it's good. Yeah. And for that, we, we are transitioning into our guests, right, Mike? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we have a uh, nationally known. Uh, person here with us who's a very special guest. We have with us uh, Larry Fury, who brings uh, senior level management experience and over 30 years of development knowledge to Partners in Mission, which is a, an organization that uh, supports Catholic schools across uh, the United States and even more. They're doing some international business now as well. So welcome to our show, uh, Larry. We're very excited that you're here with us. Thank you, Marinella. Nice to be with everybody on uh, the Talking Catholic podcast. We are thrilled that you're here with us. <laughs> Delighted to be here and uh, uh, good to be with Greg and Michael as well, or, or whatever <laughs> Michael goes by, but I'll call him. This, this, hey, you know what? Of, uh, as you notice, I answered right to Greg, so it's not a problem. We can go with whatever works uh, today. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. We, we thought it was going to be a good idea to kind of like um, have you in to talk about how and why you 
you have selected, you know, to, to do this work in life. Like you've uh, been supporting Catholic schools for over 30 years. And uh, I, I've seen you in action and I know how much passion you put into what you do. And so we're here to talk about why you love Catholic schools so much that you, you know, uh, do this work for a living. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm with a firm called Partners in Mission. And uh, we are a national firm uh, based in Boston that works 100% with Catholic elementary schools and Catholic high schools and Catholic dioceses. And uh, proud to say that we've had a long affiliation with the Diocese of Camden, uh, having done a variety of both diocesan workshops as well as uh, consultations and searches for some of the Catholic elementary schools and the Catholic uh, high schools in the diocese that, that Michael mentioned. Um, you know, I grew up in a small town in northeastern Pennsylvania, Lansford, one of six children. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom and dad were huge fans of Catholic education. In fact, my mother taught at our Catholic high school, Marion Catholic High School, for many years. And my dad, like a lot of dads across the country, um, you know, volunteered his time uh, in a number of ways for our schools. Um, he was our CYO basketball coach. Uh, and then... At Marion, he was um, he was involved in the Men of Marion, which was a uh, at the time a very and still is a very successful uh, booster organization that supports every aspect of of Marion Catholic High School. So uh, you know, growing up, small town, one of six children, three boys, three girls, um, Catholic education was a big part of our lives. Uh, our parish was a big part of our lives, and uh, Catholic schools was a big part of our lives, and we and we all witness. Uh, the work that my mom and dad and so many other parents, uh, you know, had to do to support uh, us. We were by very, um, uh, you know, my dad was a postal worker. As I said, my mom was a Catholic school teacher. So uh, all of us in that area were very, very modest means. We had to work. We, my dad lived paycheck by paycheck, but he found a way with my mother to put us all through uh, both Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, and for five of the six of us Catholic colleges. I'm a graduate of St. Bonaventure University up in upstate New York. Um, so, um, you know, that's really how I was introduced to um, Catholic schools. Um, I worked at Coopers and Libran in Philadelphia for a number of years as a CPA. And then in 1990, um, I had moved to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to uh, be part of an opening of the first ever Coopers and Libran office in Harrisburg, our state capital in Pennsylvania. And by moving to Harrisburg, I had a chance to get involved in the Men of Marion at my high school alma mater, the, the, the booster club that my dad helped founded, you know, back in 1970. And uh, I was very happy with my life as a CPA. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit works in a number of ways, Marinella. And one of the ways that he found a way to impact me was in 1990, uh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Allentown, Pennsylvania, Bishop Thomas Welsh, now deceased, um, uh, pretty much required all the nine Catholic high schools in the Diocese of Allentown to hire a full-time director of development at the time, at, uh, at that point. And um, many of our schools had had, um, you know, development offices, development programs, but uh, they were not professionally staffed. Uh, they were not a full-time position. Often it was a responsibility picked up by a teacher uh, to complement or supplement his or her, you know, portfolio responsibilities at the school. So 
hearing this, I decided to apply uh, at my alma mater, and uh, I was selected to become the first full-time director of alumni and development back in 1990 uh, at my alma mater. And I was able to work there for five years. Uh, quite an awesome uh, feeling to work for your alma mater. Uh, we had, you know, great success in building out the advancement program or the development program back then, building out a, a more sophisticated approach to student recruiting and retention. Uh, so that's really, you know, how I how I found a way to do what I do now at 61 years old. That's amazing, Larry. I think, you know, it's, it's such a powerful story, like the, um, you know, with your family being Catholic and you kind of like to um, experience Catholic education for yourself and now be, you know, a somebody who uh, makes sure that that mission continues so that everybody can enjoy it. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, what was what the difference that Catholic school made in your in your life, like as a person? How did that make you who you are today? Well, it, 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 I mean, obviously, it developed about my whole faith component to my life, which I still have today. Um, gave me great great education uh, at all levels, and I was, uh, you know, fortunate to um, apply and be accepted at St. Bonaventure University, which is a fine Catholic Franciscan university. Uh, fortunate to come out of St. Bonaventure with a number of uh, opportunities in what was then the Big Eight accounting world, now the Big Four. Um, you know, made some wonderful friendships, but gave me, you know, the, the, the values that I think are still instilled to me today and that uh, we passed on to, you know, our two children, um, Kathleen and Tim, uh, both who uh, experienced the same experience I had in terms of Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, and uh, Kathleen just having recently graduated from St. Anselm's College and now back at her Catholic high school alma mater, Ursuline Academy in Boston, working as a campus minister. And my son, Tim, having graduated from Zaverian Brothers High School, a school that I uh, worked at for 18 of the last 25 years up in Boston after I left Marion. He's now a sophomore at Fairfield University in Fairfield, Connecticut. So we try to pass on uh, the experience that that we've had to uh, to all of our children. What a, what a great uh, kind of like um, way to, to pass not only the tradition, but also the values, because I think Catholic schools help us with, uh, you know, being able to have our children in a place that does well with uh, what we believe in and that uh, helps uh, the family support um, that way. So the other thing I was going to ask you, Larry, was you've, you've been in this business for like 30 years and over, and uh, you've seen it all in Catholic schools. I want to ask you, like, what, what do you see today in uh, Catholic schools nationwide that, uh, you know, you see as a uh, plus compared to like, you know, 30 years ago? Um, you know, it's a good, really good question. Um, you know, um, no secret that in the last few years, Catholic school enrollment is up nationally and um, uh, hopefully across the diocese of Camden as well. So uh, I think you know parents are uh, appreciating more and more the value of a Catholic education, uh, what we teach, what we uh, provide in terms of values and discipline and structure to uh, our children. Uh, certainly the evolving role of lay leadership, Marinella, in our schools. Uh, again, no secret that, you know, 
sadly, the religious, the sisters, uh, the religious brothers and the priests who staffed our schools for years and truly were the living endowment of Catholic schools. Um, those are, are disappearing more and more. Uh, and they have to be replaced with uh, strong Catholic school leaders. Uh, and part of our services is helping dioceses and schools identify, you know, who that next Catholic school leader is. Uh, so certainly we've, you know, we've developed out a nice bench of Catholic school leaders to replace the religious who for many, many years successfully led our schools. But we also see, you know, change in, in the evolution of of advisory boards or consultative boards or boards of limited jurisdictions or boards of trustees, uh, whether it be elementary schools or, or high schools, and giving, uh, you know, lay people uh, an opportunity to really help shape, um, you know, the, the, the strategic plan for, for our schools. So that's been uh, certainly a major change. Um, you know, having folks like, you know, you and Michael in your roles in supporting the Catholic schools of the Diocese of Camden uh, has been a, uh, you know, a, a change over the years in terms of uh, now having to have professionals that teach and coach us in terms of marketing and best practices around enrollment and advancement uh, and things along those lines. So those are, you know, some of the changes that, you know, that certainly in the last 30 years since I've been, you know, involved in 100% in Catholic schoolwork. Uh, have 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 been some of the uh, you know the more dramatic substantive changes, and and Larry, you mentioned having these new leaders sort of come up and 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 become you know the the, the future leaders in, in the schools. What kind of qualities do you see in these you know sort of in in the new lay leaders, or what are you looking for when you're helping the schools find these next these next leaders? Well, you know, we tell everybody, Michael, that it. You know, this it, it really is about vision and it really is about leadership and, you know, school struggle and why school struggles be because we don't have, you know, visionary leaders in place. Uh, you know, money is not the issue. Students are not the issue. It really uh, is really about finding visionary leaders uh, in our Catholic schools, uh, men and women of faith, men and women of conviction, men and women of, of passion. Uh, that can truly, you know, be that visionary, transformative type leader that our schools so desperately lead in so many cases. Uh, I was, you know, blessed to uh, minister at Severian Brothers High School over the last 18 of the last 25 years. And uh, all during that time, or, you know, 95% of that time, uh, I worked for a, a, a Zavarian brother, uh, Brother Daniel Scala, uh, who uh, arrived at Severian Brothers High School in, in 1992 uh, with the directive from the brothers, from his order, is that you have one year to keep Zaverian Brothers High School open or we're closing it. And Brother Dan, hearing that, uh, took it to heart. And to this day, we're one of the strongest Catholic all-boys schools in New England. And I'll say, you know, the strongest evidenced by a, a transformed campus, evidenced by a close to $100 million endowment, uh, close to, you know, uh, full enrollment, uh, you know, but I, I was able to work side by side with brother in that transformation. Uh, but I, I recognize uh, more and more in my working with him, 
the importance of having visionary leaders uh, in these type of, of roles. Um, well, I was just going to uh, follow up on that. Like, uh, what would you say to somebody like who would be considering a position in, a, you know, Catholic schools, like somebody who wants to be a principal and dreams about that? How, how do you recommend that they prepare for that, Larry? Uh, well, I mean, there's a number of, you know, leadership development programs uh, across the country, Marinella, uh, largely within a, a number of Catholic colleges, universities. Uh, you know, Providence College has a uh, has a has a leadership program, certainly uh, well known as the Alliance for Catholic Education Leadership Program at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, but Creighton University, Dayton, Xavier, uh, you know, certain you know number of schools, Loyola Marymount out in California, uh, recognizing the need to play a role as as higher education leaders to form and develop, uh, you know, Catholic school leaders and deepen that pool in light of the diminishing presence of the religious in our schools. Uh, so certainly many, many, many of the principals and headmasters that we work with today have come out of one of those you know, programs. I should mention Boston College as well, having a similar type Catholic school leadership program. Um, you know, finding a mentor or two that could guide you in your career, um, pursuing, you know, professional development opportunities. Um, you know, we've had, a, as you know, Marinella, having attended our National Summer Institute for Catholic Schools in Boston, uh, so many of, uh, of the attendees over the years who came as campus ministers or came as uh, assistant principals are now principals and presidents in a lot of our schools. So always looking for, you know, professional development opportunities to, to learn more, just not, uh, you know, the, the, the academic side, which we know is important, but also the other responsibilities that are inherent in, in a principal president role, such as strategic planning, such as governance, such as advancement, such as enrollment management, uh, such as, you know, business and finance. I will um, use this time to personally thank you, uh, Larry, for having Marianella at that conference because she came back with uh, so many great ideas uh, and such enthusiasm for for our work. And uh, I stole a lot of those ideas from her or uh, collaborated, uh, quote unquote, collaborated with her on those. And, and I actually look forward to hopefully coming uh, to, to one of those myself. I, I think that's a great way to to really help leaders, you know, especially at a time of year when when we're thinking about those, you know, those things, those tasks for the, the upcoming school year. So I think that's great that you, you, you yourself kind of put that out there for, for people. So I think well, thank great. you, Michael. We, we enjoyed having her with us in Boston for the week. She, Marianella had a chance not just to participate as an attendee, but also to uh, offer a presentation uh, in one of our enrollment management breakout sessions and she received rave reviews. So thank you. But I also want to assure her that uh, in front of her two colleagues, what happens in Boston stays in Boston, Marinella. So we won't talk about the black rose and dancing on the tables on this podcast. I knew I should have had a camera there. I, I was going to hire a guy and then I didn't, you know, didn't follow through. But, I, but I'm so glad that uh, I had a good time. I, I want to uh, ask, too, uh, you know, on those sort of trends and, and we talked about leaders, uh, but you know, the, just for the schools in general, what are things that you're seeing 
now and, and as we continue sort of this co- post, you know, COVID, post-COVID time for, for Catholic schools, what, what trends do you see for, for Catholic schools, for leaders? For what, what do these schools need to, to continue to thrive? Um, well, just, you know, certainly a commitment to ongoing education, uh, certainly commitment to, um, you know, uh, understanding uh, that th- their roles and responsibilities are more than just, you know, the, the academic side. Uh, it's really about involvement. It's really about engagement. It's really about relationships. You know, Michael, more and more, uh, you know, uh, of our important work that we need to do is rooted in building enduring relationships. So, you know, making sure that these leaders who desire to be in these important roles understand that there's a relationship side to what we do as well. Relational with faculty and staff, relational with our current parents, relational with our alumni and and parents of alumni, uh, etc. Uh, you know, we have a we have a saying at Partners in Mission that you know it, it's not a a grade a kindergarten to grade eight relationship with our students and with their parents, or it's not a grade nine to 12 relationship with our high school parents and our high school students. It's really a womb to tomb. It's a cradle to grave relationship. If we're going to be successful in building uh, certainly the philanthropic capacity of our institutions and, and, and seeing that it's not a transactional great kindergarten to grade eight, and then, you know, we move them out and the relationship is over. It really is and needs to be seen as a womb to tomb type. So like schools have been uh, much more um, strategic in, uh, you know, in the past few years because, you know, there, there is a, a big desire to uh, keep our schools not only existing, but thriving. And I uh, just wanted to hear your opinion and like, um, you, you work in an organization that actually, uh, you know, that's what you do. But do you see that more Catholic schools across the country are really heavy on like strategic planning and like uh, developing those like, you know, five years uh, plans, 10 years plans so that, you know, we can continue to thrive? Yeah, our, our strategic planning practice, Marinello, is booming right now. And it's, it, it's no surprise, especially coming out of a, of a pandemic. Are a lot of schools are now looking at, you know, what is the future over the next three to five year horizon? Uh, so, you know, whether you're working with partners in mission or trying to do it on your own, which is fine, uh, this is a really, really good time for us to, you know, for post pandemic uh, to begin to look at, you know, what is, you know, the emerging trends? What are the things that we as school, as a school community should be looking at uh, over the next three to five year period? And there's a lot of resources out there for Catholic school leaders who might be listening uh, relative to doing that. But, um, you know, we always tell schools that, you know, strategic planning is the first step towards some broader major gift effort or some broader capital campaign, because it really starts with engaging, you know, 30, 40, 60, 80, 100 constituents in some aspect of that six month or nine month strategic planning initiative. But those 60 or 90 or 30 people who are involved in helping you as the leader write that next chapter of your storied history, uh, you know, help begin to shape and imagine the possibilities of what our school could look like in the next three to five years. 
those are the same people typically that will be called upon when we're in our winter when we're in a capital campaign to help support philanthropically those initiatives that vision that they help create hmm. i'm i'm curious um you've you've worked with uh schools and dioceses all over the country and in that time have you found that their their issues and concerns the things that they're facing are they similar or are they are they pretty different depending on 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 who you're working with they i would say michael they're they're similar i mean it's 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 about facilities uh it's about catholic identity it's about you know accurate academic programs uh and enrichments in those areas uh it's about you know finances uh it's about governance uh, now there may be some, you know, uh, uniqueness to you know schools in the West Coast versus the East Coast, or religious-sponsored schools versus diocesan schools versus Catholic elementary schools. But typically, in any strategic planning effort initiative, uh, you know, there are you know typically eight or nine common what we call domains, but areas of school life that should be part of your strategic planning process. And some of them, as I said, I just, I just highlighted enrollment management, yeah. uh, advancement, governance, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the good news in a lot of our schools and uh, is the emergence of either, you know, uh, uh, tax credits or vouchers uh, or things along those lines that uh, is definitely changing the landscape of, of Catholic school and the availability of Catholic education in, in states like, uh, you know, even Illinois, Illinois. Uh, you know, Indiana, uh, you know, Arizona, Florida, uh, et cetera. So that's, to me, exciting news as we look to, uh, you know, making sure that Catholic schools continue to be accessible and viable is the availability for parents to partner with uh, their particular state in terms of funding opportunities for their son or daughter. As you ambitioned, like the, uh, you talked about, you know, more schools uh, being now more proactive when it comes to strategic planning. Like, where do you see our schools, like maybe 20 years from now? What's your vision for, for Catholic education? Well, and I know you're, you're, you're uh, a magician to know, but I just kind of like, even your experience, where do you see us going? Well, our vision as a firm um, is to, help every Catholic elementary school and Catholic high school find a way to have uh, a full-time director of advancement and or a full-time director of admissions in all of our schools. I mean, that as a firm is part of our vision. And, you know, we're doing everything we can uh, as, as a team uh, to be able to facilitate that um, across the country. And I was in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, Maryland last uh, Friday uh, for a workshop with two of my colleagues, Al Catelli and Kevin Doherty. And uh, we did a, a, a workshop for all the Catholic elementary schools in the Archdiocese of Baltimore last Friday. And uh, we went through the introductions, we introduced ourselves, told a little bit about who we are and our backgrounds. And then we went around the room of about 50 people um, and to all of our surprise, um, each of the schools there, Catholic elementary schools, Archdiocese of Baltimore, 
introduced themselves as a full-time director of advancement, uh, full-time director of admissions. And in some cases, some of these Catholic elementary schools uh, had a second or even a third full-time person with them at the workshop. And we told them, this is unheard of. This is not uh, what you're going to find in most archdiocesan and diocesan, you know, uh, offices across the country, programs across the country. So they're, you know, they're, that's ultimately where we need, we need to get most of our diocese and most of our schools to be at, because we think, we truly believe the path to a Catholic school's sustainability and viability runs through a, a visionary leader and um, uh, embracing best practices around uh, advancement and enrollment management. Because absent diocesan subsidies, absent state tax credits, absent the parish investment that uh, some parishes are, are making significantly each year, uh, it, it, it ultimately comes down to tuition revenue and philanthropic dollars. And for us to rely on those two revenue streams, philanthropic dollars and tuition, without having a person or two to full-time lead that effort, makes no sense to us. It's an investment on the part of dioceses and, and parishes, but uh, I'll just simply point to the phenomenal success that they're having in the Archdiocese of Baltimore as evidenced last week by the presence of, you know, 40 or 50 representatives from all their Archdiocese and Catholic elementary schools. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic to hear. And, and I hope, I hope that continues to uh, trend across the country. I, you mentioned a couple of times and, and just recently now about engagement and engaging parents and, and students, you know, what, what are some ways you think cross-generationally that we have now sort of younger generations who are having kids up to, to those with uh, children in high school? How do you suggest schools engage those parents, you know, in, in the different ways? What, what are some of the best ways to engage those parents and seek new families for their schools? Yeah, it's well, it's 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 all about relationship, Michael, and and finding ways at an early age to uh, connect with those uh, those parents and their their children uh, through a variety of you know programming that could be done simply at the parish or, or elementary school level. Certainly, a lot of schools have moved towards you know uh, pre K and and kind of nursery school type programs, uh, mornings for moms, you know type. Programs uh, seem to be working across the country. Uh, referral, you know, programs where a, a, a Catholic school parent, you know, who refers another new family to the school is rewarded with some type of uh, referral incentive. Uh, those are some things that you know that come to mind. But you know, fundamentally, it truly is about relationships, and people like it when we get to know them, and they and when they come back, they they we remember their name. Um, that's what's going to differentiate uh, for our schools, you know, versus the competition who may very well be another Catholic school. Yeah. And, and on a slightly different, in the same vein with the parents, you mentioned how your, your father volunteered and, and you know, you, you volunteered at your schools. What, what do you think is the importance or the, the role of volunteerism for parents you know, uh, to, to be a part of the Catholic school community, you know, what, what role and how important do you think that is uh, to, for, to help the Catholic schools thrive? 
Well, we, we welcome parents. We welcome volunteers. It's an inviting atmosphere and culture uh, that exists in, in most of our Catholic elementary schools, unlike perhaps, you know, what the experience of a parent may, may, might be in a public school where sometimes you feel you're being pushed away and your, 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 uh, your opinion, your ideas really aren't welcome here. Uh, I have not found that to be the case at any of the Catholic schools that, that we have worked with uh, over the years at all. Uh, and, and ultimately, it, it is about relationships and, you know, finding ways for volunteers to uh, be part of the mission of that school. Uh, studies have shown that when parents are more involved in their son or daughter's education, those students do do better in school and probably in life. Um, and it's a, incumbent upon us as Catholic school leaders to look at the various ways that a parent can be involved in our school. Now, you know, part of the volunteer piece of advancement is, is volunteer management. So as much as we welcome volunteers into our schools, managing those volunteers needs to be the responsibility of of someone or, or some persons, because the work the, what we don't want and has happened sometimes is that we enlist volunteers to a particular project or initiative. And uh, for whatever reason, that, that experience for that volunteer sours them on that particular school, which, which then means we have to, to somehow find a way to rebuild uh, that relationship. So, uh, despite you know our recommendation of creating a, a, a deep menu of volunteer opportunities, we have to also recognize that volunteers need to be managed. Uh, and you know, for Catholic elementary schools, that's probably a shared responsibility among the principal and you know, uh, you know, his or her you know small group of of other full time staff members. Uh, for high school, you know, who, who may have, you know, a bit more resources, there may be someone specific in the advancement office, for instance, that may, you know, part of their responsibility would be to oversee uh, the volunteer program at a school. But um, I'm sure all of us on this podcast can uh, share, you know, different examples of our either our own experience as a volunteer and where it really didn't play out as we thought it was or we were told it was going to be or you know, stories that we've heard uh, of other volunteers and, and as I said, not having that, that best experience. We see, you know, volunteer, we see the board at our schools, elementary and high school as the highest level of volunteerism uh, in, in, in the school. And you know, below the board are a variety of other ways that you know, parents and alumni and grandparents and parents of alumni and parishioners, especially at our elementary schools can be involved. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you, you mentioned it that way, because that's something that I've been working with with our schools locally. And one of the, the interesting things has been, you know, that engagement level. And one of the things we've talked about is actually, you know, making sure the school knows what the parent does, what their school skill set is, and how they can bring that whatever their job might be, or their hobby or what have you to it, because it makes them more engaged and, and get, you know, gives them sort of ownership over it. And, and my, my, my children's school, when they ask you to apply for, you know, the different groups, they ask you your special skill sets and, and try to help you um, put, you know, put you in a, in a place that, that helps. So 
um, you know, it's, I, when I filled it out that, that helped, you know, that made me feel great to say, you know, I have these skills or I have this expertise and hopefully I can help, even if I can't, you know, build the playground, you know, but I can help take pictures and do social media to promote events for the schools or, cause that's my skill set, And I feel ownership over that. I think that's another important aspect to, to keep that experience, you know, that you're mentioning yeah. and not sour people to, to yeah. you know, to the experience. And kudos to the leadership of your school, Michael, that uh, even had the, you know, the vehicle of which they could invite you to, to examine the various volunteer opportunities. Uh, now, by enlisting you and you now signing up, indicating your level of interest in this activity or another, now it's, again, this is where the management piece comes into play as far as now, one, making sure someone from the school follows up with you. Right. That would sour any experience. Well, yeah, I filled out the form, but I never heard back from them. How often do we hear that in our lives? Right. I mean, uh, but, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's all about involvement. And we have a saying at Partners in Mission, involvement equals investment. And if you look at your own life and where you're involved as a volunteer, chances are uh, you're probably of the, of, the, of the philanthropic dollars that we're able to give away as individuals, um, by and large, the majority, the bulk of those philanthropic dollars that we do give away annually as individuals, as donors, if you will, are probably going to those organizations that have involved us in the mission of that entity in a very meaningful way beyond just, you know, being a card carrying member, a dues paying member of, of the alumni. So involvement truly leads to investment. I think that brings us to the question of like donorship, you know, I feel that the parents um, uh, are involved and, and sacrifice to pay um, their tuition. Uh, but, you know, we always kind of like we ask for more, but we don't ask for more just for the sake of we want to make the school better. So and whenever it's in their capabilities to help their school out, we're, we're looking for that help because we always want to be better. We want to be able to compete. We want to be able to uh, kind of like provide the better experience possible for uh, for the parents that we have and for the children. So um, I think it, it's so important that, you know, our listeners, our parents know that, you know, when, when there's a there's an ask, there's a big reason behind that. And, and it's it's typically, um, you know, a reason that would make your uh, student, your child, and your, and your own family's experience a better one. So if you have something to give, uh, we always welcome that. What do you say about like um, your experience in, in fundraising in Catholic schools and how that's been? Like, I know you, you um, have thoughts about, you know, there's a need of a big leader who uh, has a good vision and has great management skills. But what's been um, the overall experience on fundraising and what you've seen the trends being in nationally? Uh, well, it's it's there are unbelievable stories across the country um, that, you know, uh, Catholic schools, elementary schools and Catholic high schools are, are experiencing. Um, you know, the numbers of, of capital campaigns underway, uh, the dollars that are being raised in these capital campaigns have tripled, you know, quadrupled in, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So we've, we've all picked up our game in terms of understanding and embracing uh, best practices around, you know, fundraising. 
uh, understanding the importance of relationships, understanding the role of a board and the involvement of a board member and what that means in terms of his or her, his or her own giving to the a school that he or she's involved with. Uh, we're currently working with a uh, inner city uh, Boston high school, uh, largely students of, of color um, and uh, a graduate from the 1950s has made a $30 million gift to the school uh, if the school can raise an additional $30 million. But his goal is before he's called to heaven is to ensure that his alma mater will be endowed in perpetuity. And a $60 million combined campaign will certainly be a giant step towards that. Um, you know, out in Minnesota, you know, two alums of classmates in element, Catholic elementary school have each committed $45 million each to that particular school. Um, transformative. I mean, it's a game changer. Um, and, and there's stories we hear all over the country like that, that now our elementary schools and our high schools are beginning to experience because of the investment that they've made over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years in understanding the power of philanthropy, uh, creating opportunities of involvement for their alumni, their grandparents, their parents of alumni, seeing the relationship in a Catholic elementary school is not a K to eight relationship, but a lifetime relationship, a womb to tomb relationship. So that's what's happening, you know, and what we're seeing. The other thing, Marinella and Michael is, you know, the old rule that 80% of your giving would come from 20% of your donors is now more 90, 10 and 95, five, perhaps in some schools as evidenced by the $30 million gift to Cathedral High School up in Boston. Um, so it's now 90% of your support is coming from 10% of your donors because of the wealth that's been created in this country, because of the power of philanthropy, because of these mega gifts that elementary schools and high schools are now uh, seeing mature as a result of investments that have been made over the last several decades. That's Part great. I, I uh that harkens back to something you said earlier, which is that, you know, this is a, this is very much a strategic operation. This, this requires people who, and, and certainly there are people out here that can learn the trade, but it requires investment in talent to be able to, to pull this together. Those kinds of, I've certainly worked in philanthropy long enough to know that it's very rare that those things drop, those things drop into your lap. It has happened. <clears throat> Miracles has have happened and money has just dropped into places left. But it is so rare that that happens that no one should rely on it. You never know where it's going to come from. We had somebody in the diocese recently over the last couple of years happened to read an article we put in the Star Herald about one of our schools. And that article is what generated the content. But that was just dumb luck. As our, as our own development directors will tell us, they put a lot of time, a lot of effort into getting to know the people in the communities who have an interest in the different uh, in the different entities that the that certainly in the Diocese of Camden and certainly in South Jersey Catholic schools have to offer. And it's it's those relationships that actually make these kinds of things happen. And they don't happen overnight. 
and they don't happen by accident. So yeah. you really, to your point, you really have to be strategic about it. Yeah. And also recognize that, you know, whether it be, you know, the little elementary school in Camden diocese or the large high school, I mean, your constituency is all over the country and all over the world. We tell schools that, you know, elementary schools that are struggling, you know, you need to look beyond the 10 mile radius of Wildwood, New Jersey, and recognize that you've got parents of alumni, you've got grandparents, you've alumni all over the world, all over the country that are in your, should be in your, in your relationship world. Um, so while, yeah. you know, you may be poor and you come from a poor area, it doesn't, should not limit um, your vision for what your philanthropic capacity potentially could be. Uh, and those relationships of beyond just the students and the parents, as you're saying, you know, right. who else, who else wants to be involved in that, in that child or that student or the school's life. And, and, yeah. and, and, you know, because you don't, you know, there could be a grandparent who wants to help out um, and, you know, rather than help with tuition can help with an endowment or, right. you know, something of that nature. Yeah. And, and, and that's important to reach out to those people and, and like you said, expand your, your network. Right. Yeah, that's and, you know, and the pandemic has changed how we all interact. Look at here. We are the four of us talking on this podcast via Zoom. So, you know, the opportunities that we have as a school to engage, for instance, grandparents who may not be able to come back to the grandparent day because they live in Arizona should not limit us to finding creative ways of engaging uh, them via, you know, this Zoom world now that we live in. Um, I'm on the board at my Catholic high school alma mater up in upstate Pennsylvania, as I mentioned, even though I live in Boston. So, you know, on, the, on you know, for boards, um, you know, if you're meeting only three or four times a year as a board, you, you might be successful in finding people that live out of your area that have potential capacity or people that they could bring to your school uh, by offering them an opportunity to be involved on a board committee or serve on the board, even though they live four hours away, you know, uh, that they could hopefully join that meeting ideally in person, but even if not in person, you know, an option to participate meaningful in a meaningful way via Zoom. And I think a lot, like more, many more schools are, are moving in that direction. Like I am uh, part of the board of one of our, our high schools and, you know, we have, uh, members who are not able to to come sometimes to the meetings because they're you know across the country or they're traveling, but they're still part of these meetings because you know with technology now and and uh, I think everybody being more comfortable using this, um, we're able to reach more people and and collaborate with them and, and have them you know give us their talents and, and treasure via you know creating relationships online. So this is definitely something that our schools are embracing as well. One. Um, you said about, you know, these uh, philanthropic efforts, you know, being really strong these days uh, in Catholic schools and, and certainly being that the the goal for the schools. What What is one, um, what, maybe a couple of things that you have seen in Catholic schools recently that excite you, like that make you feel like, oh, my gosh, what a good way to invest uh, was that? Like, you know, they they just improve whatever that might be. Just tell me a few things you've seen in, in uh, across the country. Well, I think, you know, what a variety of innovative programs, you know, around um, engineering, you know, STEM, robotics, certainly from a programmatic standpoint, 
uh, you know, commitment to our Catholic identity and our campus ministry programs, uh, facilities for a lot of people. Marinella is a way that they want to support the school. And then, you know, certainly as important, if not more, is, is endowment and getting people to either now or upon their uh, call to heaven uh, to include, you know, that school or parish in his or her estate plans. Uh, we're seeing more and more of that now. That, that's amazing. I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's it's the developing of relationships that is so important to get people uh, to the action that, you know, we, we're trying to help Catholic schools through philanthropic efforts. So I think one of those, uh, you know, endowments ideas, uh, it's, it's, it's a great trend and a good thing that our Catholic schools are embarking in that. Mm-hmm. So, Larry, if, if, if people want to find out more about Partners in Mission, where can they go to? Um, we have a website, uh, partnersinmission.com. And on it, uh, they can join uh, our email list, uh, find more information about um, how they, uh, you know, could uh, be, be involved in some of our professional development workshops uh, and potentially even partner with us on um, on having us come to their schools and help them in the areas that uh, are passionate to us, uh, and we're you know we're we're expert expert on in, in terms of enrollment management, advancement, strategic planning, uh, board development, leadership searches, things like that. And uh, where will where will next year's conference be? Uh, we do er, er, right now, Mike. We do it in Boston. It's it's usually the last full week of June. Uh, so uh, it's again scheduled uh, this year for the. Uh, the Quincy Marriott, uh, which is just uh, 10 miles outside of Boston, Sunday, June 25th to Thursday, June 29th. Uh, it's a transformational experience for people, as Marianella will tell you. Uh, 400 uh, charismatic, like-minded leaders like she is that are coming from all over the country, all Catholic school leaders, elementary schools, high school diocesan that come together and, and want to learn and uh, you know, best practices and further their faith and, you know, develop, you know, meaningful relationships with colleagues that are, are in the same battle they are to find ways of keeping our schools thriving uh, and surviving in, in these challenging times. So we'd love to have, uh, love to have anyone, you know, visit our website. Well, I'm, I'm fairly certain that uh, Mr. Bress has already penciled in his, uh, his time out of the office for, for that time next year already, right? I Mike? have, yep. I have, <laughs> yep. It's, it's already on my calendar. Just got to get it, uh, you know, approved by the house and the office, and then we're good to go. <laughs> but uh, excited to be a part of that because I think it's a, it's a wonderful program, and I definitely am looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Larry, thank you so very much for joining us today. We really appreciate that. And Marianella and Mike, thank you very much for, for being a part of this and putting this all together. And to our listeners, thank you very much for, for checking us in. We'll be back next week. See you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.